Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob. Today, reading from the VOM, Voice of the Martyrs newsletter, three stories that I think will bless you. Every once in a while, we stop what we're doing and we go to Chosun, part of the Hackberry House of Chosun. Chosun being an old name for Korea. Um, I'm sure that you've seen that Korea is in the news quite a bit. If you watch the State of the Union, and I do trust that you will, go back to cspan.org and you can still watch the whole thing uh, totally, and especially that last part where the uh, Korean Ji Shung Ho lifts up his crutches in defiance to North Korea. It's a fascinating, fascinating piece of American folklore at this point, I suppose. It's, uh, it's going to go down in history as a great, great moment. Uh, his story is, is online, different places. Uh, his name is spelled J-I, that's one word, and then S-E-O-N-G dash H-O is the rest of his name. And you can Google that and get his story. As with all stories, I'm told by those who should know, all of these stories um, are not always, not always independently confirmed, and so you, you've got to check around a little bit to be sure. But I'm told that for the most part, what Zhishang Ho's story says is true, that it, it really did happen, his escape and uh, the horrors that he faced uh, to get out of that country. Into now, uh, now he's the head of a of a, his own organization of defectors. Uh, uh, again, I'll let you just follow that on your own. Let's do some stories from the VOM newsletter, which are always researched well. I think you can take these to the bank. This one's called "They Are Listening in North Korea." Uh, when Hannah, and we never know. Uh, when we say somebody's name, that that's their real name, and I'm assuming it's not, in fact, but we'll call her Hannah. She, when she was a child in North Korea, uh, she spent nearly every night huddled next to the radio with her father. It was illegal to listen to the radio, but we did it in secret, Hannah said. And though forbidden, her father managed to purchase one, a radio, so they could tune in to South Korean radio stations. Even today, the North Korean government attempts to jam outside signals and confiscate illegal radios. Those caught with one are arrested. Now, her father was cautious, warning the family to keep their radio a secret. They waited until after midnight when all the neighbors were asleep to listen to it. When they did... They heard about a world that was completely different from the one described by their North Korean leaders and by Hannah's teachers at school. She had a strong relationship with her father, and they often discussed what they heard on the radio programs. Hannah's father especially enjoyed listening to Christian sermons. As a teenager, she thought the sermons were boring, but her father explained that the sermons helped him figure out the truth about life why he was born, and the meaning of humanity. At the time, Hannah was interested in other programs. The music was very different than North Korea, she recalled. It, it made me curious. As they listened and learned about the world outside, the family began to consider a risky option, leaving their home country. 
The original plan was that I would leave first, she said, and, and after they made more money for the broker's fee, the whole family would come, Hannah said. While she couldn't know it at the time, the day the broker came to sneak her into China was the last time she would see her family. From China, Hannah traveled on to Thailand, where she was placed in a temporary detention center for North Koreans. And then after being cleared and released from the center, she eventually made it to South Korea. Hannah was 19 and alone in a new country, and she missed her family. One day, while passing by a church, she decided to go in and introduce herself as a North Korean. They welcomed me into the church, she said. At that time, it was the most difficult time of my life, and the church was there. Hannah began attending the church, and as she listened to the sermons, she remembered those that she and her father had listened to on the radio. I definitely grew a lot in faith coming to South Korea, she said. Her family never made it out of North Korea. Shortly after Hannah left, the North Korean leader, Kim Jong-il, died, and tightened border security made defection almost impossible. Once a year, she pays a broker to place a secret call to her family, but the calls are kept short so they can't be monitored. During one call, Hannah learned that her beloved father had passed away, and more recently she hasn't been able to contact her family at all. The situation back there with my family is very difficult, very painful, she said. She prays that she will hear from her mom soon. Hannah made a life for herself in South Korea and continued to grow in faith, but she longed for meaningful Christian service. And so, when an elder in her church mentioned a radio program that Voice of the Martyrs Korea produces, and broadcasts into North Korea, she knew it was the missing piece. She soon became involved in the radio work, confident that her father would be proud of the way she was reaching out to her countrymen. Hannah now spends two Saturday mornings each month recording Christian programs at the studio. The band shortwave radio broadcasts are just one way that Voice of the Martyrs works to spread the gospel inside North Korea. Understanding the radio broadcast's effectiveness, the communist government attempts to block this particular radio station. Earlier this year, electronic interference became so severe that VOM radio engineers decided to switch frequencies. Hannah's announcements of Christian music, scripture readings, and sermons in the North Korean dialect engaged North Korean listeners in a way that a South Korean announcer could not. And after years of separation, North Korean and South Korean dialects differ enough that North Koreans can have trouble understanding South Koreans. A recent North Korean defector, who is not a Christian, told Voice of the Martyrs staff that he regularly listened to the radio broadcast in North Korea, simply because he appreciated the announcer's soft voice. He even had the program schedule memorized. As a former listener, Hannah understands how important these programs are in reaching North Koreans with the gospel, and she is sure 
Her involvement in radio work is not an accident. There was a plan for me to be involved with radio too, she said. It's definitely not by chance. When she finishes recording, Hannah picks up her bag and returns home. While she may not see the immediate results of her work, she knows that all over North Korea, people are listening. What a wonderful thing. Now, that's from Voice of the Martyrs. You see, I, I would like to get involved with that. And, and that was what I said uh, some time back. And I decided to send a gift, a, a good-sized gift to to these people. Now, I, I don't give out the names of, uh, well, I've already said Voice of the Martyrs. I'll let you take it from there, okay? And if you contact Voice of the Martyrs, you'll be able to find out how to get in touch with the people that are actually doing this and how you can send them a gift if you want. That's one way you can bless North Koreans is by blessing VOM Korea, as it's called. It's a part of Voice of the Martyrs. Well, let me read another story to you. I love reading these stories. I hope you love hearing them. Although they're not just stories, understand? They're, they're reality. They're reality. I trust you'll pray. Kenjao is another name we will use uh, kind of loosely. I don't know. I don't think this is his name, but let's call him Kenjao. He understood why the female guard had interrogated her. I'm sorry, this is a woman. <laughs> Kyung Cha is a woman. Had interrogated her about her latest trip to China and about her daughter's defection to South Korea. But she couldn't grasp why she kept asking odd questions about something called Christianity. I first learned about Christianity from my torturer, Kyung Cha said. The guard's confusing and persistent questioning piqued Kyung Ja's curiosity. At the time of her arrest, she had no belief system or concept of God. But now she had to know what made this Christianity so dangerous. Kyung Ja had been detained twice before for illegally crossing into China. This time, however, was worse. Instead of serving only a couple of months of, quote, re-education, at a labor camp, she endured repeated torture, most likely because of her daughter's defection. After brutally beating Kyung Ja for two months, the guard realized she did not have any ties to Christians within North Korea. She then sent Kyung Ja, now a fragile 63 pounds, to a labor camp, and Kyung Ja took her questions about Christianity with her. Hey, what is God, she asked a fellow prisoner that she met. What is the Bible? There is no such thing, the prisoner quietly replied. There is a book, but, but do not ask. Shh, shh. The prisoner's fear confirmed King Ja's suspicion that Christianity was a forbidden religion followed only by criminals. King Ja spent the next six months in that labor camp, it's called a Kyohuaso, enduring back-breaking labor and inhumane conditions. She saw inmates die every day from the horrid conditions or injuries sustained in merciless beatings. King Ja longed for freedom. Her husband had died during one of her previous detainments, and she didn't want to miss out on life with her daughter, who had defected to South Korea. She also wanted to get 
out so she could learn more about this Christianity. And then after six months of forced labor, Kinja was released. She thinks they released her because she told them the truth about her trip to China. She had left because she had to find a way to feed her family. At that time, many people crossed the border to China to feed their families. And upon return to North Korea, they usually were re-educated with a few months of hard labor rather than punished more severely. King Jia's daughter in South Korea eventually raised enough money to help her mother defect and arranged to have a pastor help her. And then during a phone call with her daughters, King Jia finally received some answers to her questions about Christianity. She learned that the church is real and so is the God that it worships. King Jia soon placed her faith in Jesus and found true freedom in the God she had first heard about while being beaten by a prison guard. <clears throat> Today in South Korea, Kung Ja never misses a worship service, and she eagerly shares her testimony with others. While still coping with the effects of her traumatic imprisonment, including anxiety, depression, nightmares, and irregular heartbeats, she still finds peace in Christ. She is currently involved in a VOM-sponsored program that disciples North Korean Christians and equips them to reach out to North Korean defectors with the gospel. Reflecting on how seeds of the gospel were planted in her heart by her torturer, King Ja is grateful to God. Her love for Christ grows stronger every day, and she's now willing to follow him unto death. As I look back, she said, it's all God's grace. Now, before I move on to the third story, there is a note here that you, you, you might be interested in about the different prison camps. We told you about one of them. Um, Kung Jia spent six months in a harsh labor camp called a Kyowaso. Kyowaso. But there are far worse prison camps in North Korea. They're called Kwanliso. About 30,000 of North Korea's estimated 100,000 Christians are thought to be suffering in one of four known Kwan Liso camps. Now, these camps are reserved for prisoners convicted of serious crimes, such as attempting to flee the country, having unauthorized contact with South Koreans, or being a Christian. North Korean defectors say Christianity is considered as dangerous as narcotics in North Korea. The government views Christianity as a sin, as it were, and as a way the West tries to invade its country with Western and capitalist ideas. Some have reported that the North Korean government even likens Christian missionary work to vampirism. In the Kwan Liso camps, inmates are often locked in cages like animals forced to stand for hours in torturous positions and beaten until they vomit blood. Nearly 40% of inmates die of, of starvation, while others commonly lose up to half their body weight and survive on rats. Inmates' relatives are also often detained, considered guilty by association. One more story called A Witness in the underground. As the gospel 
quietly spread in uh, parts of the country, so did a fear among North Koreans that they might be suspected of Christian faith. We were really afraid of Christianity because as anybody could get executed or killed, even if you were looking at the Bible, said Sang Chul. This is another made-up name. But, but he, uh, while growing up in North Korea, was taught that the concept of God was a dangerous lie. And the government's zero-tolerance policy toward any suspicion of Christian behavior reinforced that lesson. His name, again, Sang Chul. In 2013, Sang Chul witnessed the power of a life devoted sacrificially to Jesus. It was the commitment of a pastor named Han Changryo that enabled Sang Cho to let go of his fear. Pastor Han was later martyred on April 30, 2016. This is not ancient history, right? This is happening today because of his bold Christian work. I really wanted to know why he helped North Koreans, because it was dangerous for Pastor Han to help North Koreans there, Sang Cho recalled. Pastor Han unconditionally loved us and treated us well. I felt his heart. The more I met with Pastor Han, I felt more his heart came from the Lord. Without God, he wouldn't have helped me. That's why I realized Christianity is a true religion. Like many North Koreans, Sang Chol had experienced extreme poverty and desperation that conditioned him to put his own survival before anyone else's. The poor conditions in North Korea were created by famine, the government's poor management of resources, and the effects of the breakup of the Soviet Union in the 1990s. The harsh treatment and meager wages he received working at temporary jobs in neighboring China left him even more focused on self-preservation. Then after meeting Christians like Pastor Han, who were ministering selflessly to North Koreans along the border, he encountered Jesus in a life-altering way and became a member of the underground church that he had once feared. After I decided to follow Jesus, I had a purpose to go back and forth to China, he said. I, I came to love other people. And I felt like I didn't want to waste any time. I did my best to spread the gospel in North Korea. That was my purpose. Once I accepted this purpose, I felt like I didn't have enough time to do it. Hundreds of North Koreans, including 700 recently confirmed by Voice of the Martyrs workers, have come to know Christ through the efforts of Sang Chul and other Christians in his network. In North Korea, even sharing the gospel with your husband, wife, or children requires a holy boldness, said Pastor Eric Foley, co-founder and chief executive officer of the Voice of the Martyrs Korea. Even the most passionate evangelists in North Korea typically reach less than a dozen people in their lifetime. Sang Chul and his fellow believers reached 700 people which shows why the North Korean regime considered Pastor Han such a threat. He had raised up an army of Sang Chuls. Sang Chul spent years traveling back and forth to China so that he could learn from Pastor Han and serve alongside him. Eventually, he began staying in North Korea for longer periods to spread the gospel. As he witnessed to North Koreans, Sang Chul first told them about a true love that could change their lives. 
After earning their trust, he would begin sharing the gospel more openly, even pulling out a small Bible they had hidden in his clothing or or in a shoe so he could share passages of scripture. Sung Chul increasingly sacrificed time away from his wife and two daughters to serve and evangelize the lost. His quiet, determined efforts led to small groups of Christians meeting in each other's homes. They worshipped by reciting the Apostles' Creed and the Lord's Prayer before praying for their country. They asked God for wisdom, strength, and protection as they continued sharing the gospel. Then one day Sang Cho learned that authorities had arrested a close Christian friend and that a government agent was now searching for him. Unable to return home, he stayed at a friend's house until he could bribe his way across the border and flee North Korea. While staying at a discipleship center following his defection, Sang Chul read Tortured for Christ by VOM founder Richard Wormbrand. The book has been a source of inspiration for Sang Chul as he continues to pray and work to spread the gospel among North Koreans. I was really touched when I read his book, Sang Chul said. Do you know how many people die for Jesus because of their faith? Even I don't know, and nobody knows their name. As he hears stories of Christians and others suffering inside North Korea, Sang Cho confesses that he feels guilty for experienced freedom on the outside. I pray that they have even the moment of feeling happiness, he said. It's okay for them to be martyred, but I, I really wish they could have a moment where they feel happy. Sang Cho struggles to pray for Kim Jong-un, knowing the atrocities he continues to commit against North Koreans. He kills us like he's killing flies, he said. I just don't understand how I could pray for him. He's not even a human being. And on the other hand, he shows up on the TV smiling. That's why I don't think that he is a human being. Even now, North Korea is executing so many Christians because of their faith. Sang Chul said he thanks God for Christians in America who pray for North Korean believers and their country. He asks us to pray that he will be less selfish and that his faith will continue to grow. He also asks us to pray that his family will be reunited. Then he said he will again risk more for the gospel and his people. He is no longer focused on his own survival and he says he is happy to die for Jesus. North Korea's government is so cruel, he said. There are so many people who die without other people knowing. I'm thinking more and more about how my sacrifice will be worthwhile. Although many in Sang Chul's network have been detained and banished to North Korea's brutal prison camps, the good news of freedom in Christ continues to spread quietly throughout the country. Amen. And amen. Uh, someday the, the whole church and the whole world will know when Jesus sets up his kingdom here. Uh, he will honor those who gave up their lives. Honor them in a way that you will only wish that you could be honored, but you can't be because you didn't do what they did. God loves the martyrs. God loves those who suffer for him. What a bad message we're getting in this country about what true Christianity really is. Come on, let's get back to the cross. Let's get back 
to martyrdom. Let's get back to Jesus who did all those things for us. I have a long series on North Korea on this website, uh, over 400 audios with little stories and big stories and history and, and just all kinds of stuff for you to, to look at, listen to, so that you can pray for North Korea. I want you to get started on it right away. You've got, if you just listen to one every day, you'd have over a year's worth of, of material. You might want to start listening to more. There's just all kinds of information out there about North Korea. Go for it, will you? And Voice of the Martyrs is waiting to hear from you, too. I do not represent them now. I did at one time. And it's uh, an organization worthy of your uh, prayer and blessing. And I trust that you will get in touch with them and find out some more about VOM Korea. God bless you today. This is the Hackberry House of Chosun. Lord willing, we will talk soon. Bye-bye.